kind of anticipating that I was going to have to do that, but I forgot. <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, the scripture reading today is Matthew 25, 31st verse to the 45th verse. It's found on page 1542 in your, in your Bible. 1,542. The sheep and the goats. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in the heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came in and visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick and or in prison, and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for the one of the least of these, you did not do for me. So, about, uh, about a year ago, I had uh, read an article about Mother Teresa, and the article kind of caught my attention because it wasn't about um, her work in Calcutta, but it was about... Uh, an incident that happened during an interview and it was written by the gentleman who had been doing the interview with Mother Teresa. And uh, it caught my attention because uh, he, had, he had talked about this uh, interview changing his life. And um, it all happened during a break time uh, in, in their, during their interview. And so they came to this break and uh, he asked Mother Teresa, he said, so is there anything I can do for you? And instead of asking for something for herself, she said, go find somebody that nobody else loves and love them. And he thought about that. He thought, you know, she could ask for, for anything and I kind of expected that she might be looking for something to drink or maybe where's the restroom, those sorts of things. But instead, uh, and out of Mother Teresa, you can you kind of understand that. She asked for him to go 
and find somebody that nobody else loves and to love them and to care for them. And uh, uh, he said it, it changed his life as he started to think about and look for those people that, uh, that were unloved, he said, and, and to pour into them, uh, it really changed his heart. And, uh, and the, the interview caught my attention too because kind of a similar thing happened with myself. Um, a few years ago, my uh, cousin's wife had asked me to go uh, to prison uh, and do a weekend retreat with some of the guests there. And I thought, well, you know, I guess I could. Uh, I'm, I'm available and they needed the help. I wasn't really sure it was something that I was, would be good at, uh, but I went anyway. And uh, during the course of the weekend, I, I kind of felt sort of uncomfortable, uh, not really at ease, wasn't really sure I was helping the guys, and uh, it was just sort of a unsettled sort of experience. And uh, I thought, well, that was nice. Maybe we won't do that again. And then she asked me in a couple of months, she said, would, would you come, come again with us? And I thought, well, I kind of feel the same way, but okay, I'll go. And uh, it was interesting. During that second weekend, uh, I was feeling very much the same. And yet when we got to the end of the weekend, it was kind of a curseal weekend for for, uh, the get, for the inmates. And we got to the end and uh, the last, one of the last events is serving communion. And so I'm standing in front <clears throat> and the gentlemen are filing up and um, serving them communion. And as they are, I'm saying, this is Christ's body broken for you. And in that moment, God kind of slapped me upside the head and he said, you realize that some of these people in this room are your brothers and you really have not paid attention to them. You really have not cared. And I thought, yeah, you know, you're right. Uh, I have not had anybody in my family who was in prison or anybody I knew that knew somebody who was in prison or who knew somebody who knew somebody that was in prison. And quite frankly, they were out of, my, out of sight and out of mind and, and I didn't care. And God said, you cannot not care about these men or women. I've been to the women's prison since then as well. And I think God was preparing me for the work that he had for me at the Center of Hope at that point in time. Because there too is another group, group of people that uh, our culture would really rather not acknowledge even exist. Um, there, we'd rather have them out of sight and out of mind. And yet God cares for them and is at work in their hearts and uh, wanting to draw them to himself. And those are, are people who have some, some very serious needs. And so I think in that moment, God was, was preparing me for the work that he had for me. And as we look at our passage today in uh, Matthew, I think he calls us to do the same thing. He calls us to be involved, lovingly serving uh, those around us. And when you think about who God is, uh, one of the very basic characteristics of God is that God is love. And uh, if there is a verse that uh, comes to mind, and, and I've helped you out here, um, if there's a verse that you would think of first off, when you think about the scriptures, what is, what is that verse? What verse do you think of first off? 
John 3.16, don't we? That's a very familiar verse. And it says to us, For God so loved the world. God is love. That is one of his very basic characteristics. And it's not the kind of love that uh, is just a warm fuzzy, oh, you know, I, I love you, or uh, the kind of love we see on TV often. Uh, but it's the kind of love that reaches down and, uh, and picks us up where we're at. It's a kind of love that, that acts. Because when you look at the rest of the verse, for God so loved the world that what did he do? He gave his one and only son that whoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He gave his son because he loved us. And that is the kind of love that, uh, that he calls us to have. Um, the, the picture there is a picture of my parents. And... Um, uh, I don't know if any of you knew my parents, Leonard and Mabel Vermullum, but I look a lot like my mom, and I've heard kind of throughout my life that, yeah, you look, you look like your mom. Uh, my younger brother, Dave, looks as uh, kind of a spitting image of my dad. We have a very similar family resemblance. People know that we're, we're from this family. Um, and the same should be true of us as God's children that we should bear that family resemblance, that we should love one another just as God loves us and to show that love to others. So I think the first thing that this passage calls us to is to loving, lovingly serve uh, each other. And that love requires action. Love is a verb. It's not a noun. It's a verb. It requires action. The other thing I think as we look at this passage is that God calls us to do simple things. When you look at what it was that uh, they, he was saying to the people, he's saying go and feed people, give them something to drink, visit them, um, take care of the sick. It wasn't difficult things. It wasn't rocket science in any way, shape, or form. Um, it was very simple things that he called folks to do. And uh, it's very simple things that he calls us to do. Any one of us can do those same kind of things that we can go and feed and clothe, give drink and visit. I think it's also interesting what God doesn't say we need to do in this passage. He doesn't say we need to wipe out poverty by ourselves. He doesn't say we need to wipe out sickness or disease by ourselves. Um, but he does call us to be personally involved. When I think about, uh, you've probably heard the, the uh, sermon illustration about the child uh, on the beach with the starfish uh, where he's walking along the beach and it's morning and there are millions of starfish on the beach. It's low tide. And the boy knows that, uh, that if the starfish don't get back into the water before the sun comes up, they're going to die. So he's walking along and he's throwing them into the water. Gentleman comes along and he says to him, what are you doing? You can't, you can't make a difference. And uh, the boy reaches down, grabs another one, throws it in the water, and he says, but I made a difference to that one. And I think that's the kind of thing that God calls us to do. He calls us to be personally involved, and as we are all personally involved, we can make a difference on the bigger scale. But he doesn't call us personally to wipe out those things but he does call us to be personally involved. And the benefit of us being personally involved, I think about how if I had not gone 
to the prisons and I had not uh, obeyed that call, I would not have been changed. God certainly changed me. I'm not sure what he did through me, but I know what he did in me uh, during those visits. And um, by us being personally involved, God's going to change us as well and, uh, and make us to be more like him. The third thing I think we see in this passage is that uh, there's definitely an element of judgment. And uh, that, uh, it, it almost looks in this passage like uh, God is saying, based on what you do, you're going to be judged. And yet that doesn't really square with our Reformed theology or uh, from other passages or even Christ's whole ministry coming and that we need to believe in him in order to be saved. And I think, so why is, why is this here? And, uh, and why, why is it written like this? Because uh, it sure looks like um, by what you do, you're going to be judged. But I think it, it, uh, there's a hint of it squaring with everything else in the reaction of both groups of people to, uh, to the judgment, whether they're saved or whether they're not. And the reaction is the same. The reaction is surprise. Both of them are surprised and, and they say, Lord, when did we see you in these situations? And I think, well, should, should they have been surprised? They should have known what they were doing, uh, whether they were doing it for him or whether they weren't. And yet, I think out of the relationship or lack of relationship with God, uh, their actions were, were there. And so I think it, it still is based out of the, react, the relationship we have with God, with Christ, uh, that we are saved. And out of that relationship comes our works. It's the, the same thing with the guilt, the grace, and the gratitude of, of uh, the Heidelberg Catechism, just that basic format. We know our guilt, we know God's grace, and it's out of that grace that we, uh, out of gratitude, that we serve others. And the same thing here. It's out of the gratitude or lack of it that they served or they didn't serve. Last thing is, as we, as we seek to serve others, sometimes it's hard to know what to do or how to help people. And, um, and I think uh, I want to just give a few, few guidelines, uh, things that I've learned through the Center of Hope about helping people. A um, few things that I've learned from a book by uh, Timothy Leary called uh, uh, Mercy Ministry. And in his book, Timothy says there's, there's really two kinds of, of need that people have. One is a crisis and the other is sort of a chronic condition. It's easy to identify a crisis in someone's life because it often looks like maybe they've had a flood, maybe they've had a fire, maybe they've had a death. It's something that is, is uh, that they, if, if we don't help, um, lives are going to be lost. When you think about the flood in, in uh, New Orleans a uh, number of years ago, or even the floods right here, if we did not help people, um, lives could be lost. So we need to help in those kind of crisis situations. Those are pretty easy to identify. It gets harder when we, when we have a chronic kind of situation where sometimes if we give help in the same way we do in a crisis, uh, lives are actually going to be harmed. And that, that seems sort of counterintuitive, but um, people need to, to the extent that they can, uh, 
help themselves. We want to be there to encourage that and to serve them and, uh, and work with them, but we can't do that for them. Think about the, uh, the uh, Good Samaritan. When the gentleman finds him on the road, um, if he doesn't help him, the guy's probably going to die. It's definitely a crisis situation, isn't it? And when he sees him there, he helps with pretty much everything he has. He bandages him up, puts him on his donkey, takes him to the next town, says to the innkeeper, uh, here's some money, uh, I'll be back in a while. If he needs anything else, let me know, I'll, I'll cover that too. Now, let's say in six months to a year, Good Samaritan's coming down the same road and he sees the same guy in the same situation. I would probably start asking some questions like, why are you here again? What happened? And maybe he's finding out that this guy's been out robbing other people and, um, and he got beat up by somebody he tried to rob that he shouldn't. Well, in that case, he still needs help because he is in a crisis situation, but the response might be a little bit different. And so he's going to dig a little bit deeper as to why, why this gentleman is here, why he's in this situation. And I think the same is true for us. When we first meet somebody, we want to help and we want to help generously. If we come to the same situation, we want to start asking some questions and uh, digging a little deeper into what's going on and why are you in this situation and, uh, and finding out what might be uh, their situation. And usually it results from one of three things. Either there's a calamity, like he got beat up, so there's a calamity, or it's a fire, or it's something. They're there for that reason. Sometimes it's an injustice. Um, you think about, there's lots of injustices in our world that keep people down and um, in trouble. Um, and there's sin in our lives. Some of those things we need to correct before um, folks can be truly helped. And we want to help them to do that. When you look at sort of the sub-problems that might be in that, and I'm going to just go through these quickly, it might be financial. A lot of our, our guests either don't have a job or they're working two or three jobs, and those jobs are still not paying all the bills. I'm sure you see people here in Rock Rapids, I know we see them in Rock Valley as well, that, that even though they are working and working hard, their jobs just don't make it. Um, without health care benefits, it's hard to, to make a living out there. Sometimes it's a physical dependence. Uh, age can put us into uh, some very stressful times. Um, health concerns can quickly take a family from not having a need to being in a crisis situation. Uh, we see lots of that where health concerns have, have uh, just driven people to poverty and uh, they've needed to uh, sell all that they have. Sometimes it's kind of a planned dependence, you know, people who won't stick to a budget or can't stick to a budget. Sometimes it's emotional dependence, um, addictions or depressions. Sometimes it's family issues that keep uh, people where they're at. Uh, sometimes it's a skill dependence, a very basic lack of having the skills to make a living that will uh, provide for their needs. 
Sometimes it's a relational dependence, not having anybody around to support you. And you think about where you and I are today. <clears throat> we didn't get here by ourselves. We had a lot of people walking along with us, family supporting us, friends. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't get here alone. And a lot of the people on the street uh, don't have that kind of support network around them. And so certainly that's one of the things we're trying to do as Center of Hope is to connect our guests with people who, uh, who might provide work, who might provide uh, some of the relief from addictions, uh, those sorts of things. We really need people around us. And if we don't have that, um, we can quickly fall into poverty. And sometimes people are just unjustly treated. And... Um, and we need to advocate for them as well. So one of the things that we always do is when we, when we look at a chronic situation is try and create a plan to, to help them. And that plan always involves two parts. There's some that we will do. There's some that we want them to do. And, um, and there's a responsibility there on their part as well. And so... As they walk through that, if, they, if we stick with the plan and it, it's working, um, life is good. And we have some guests that, that life has changed for them as we've prayed for them and supported them. And uh, they, they've become independent. Um, quite often, they don't stick with the plan. And then one of the things that becomes very difficult is sometimes we have to say, no, at this point, I can't help you in that way. I'm always going to be here, and I'm always going to support you, but I can't physically help you in the way that you want me to. And no is often a much harder answer than yes. It's, it's easy to say yes to people when they come to us with a need. It's often hard to, to say no, but sometimes no is the thing, that, uh, is the thing we need to do. do. You think about your children coming to you and asking you for things. You know when it's good for them, and you know when it's bad. And sometimes we need to say no when we're helping people because that is the helpful thing to do. And that's hard. So wanting to leave us with the challenge that uh, Mother Teresa left her interviewer with and saying, you know, go, go and find somebody that no one else loves. And there are those people in our communities. There's those people that we know there's those people that uh, we're aware of, or there may be people that we're even not aware of that God wants to put in our path and to pray to him, to ask him to open our eyes, open our ears, to be aware of those people that are around us that need our, our loving assistance, that need our care, and to go and to serve them. Wanting to leave that with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's ask God's blessing on his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word never returns to us empty or void. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you will have spoke to us uh, in the ways that each one of us need to hear. And Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes and our ears to those around us who need your help. And that uh, you'd give us the courage and the boldness to uh, step into those places and to assist as you would have us. And we give you the honor and the glory and the praise for what you'll do in them and in us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Let's continue our worship by uh, 